Welcome to Soberly Ever After, the podcast that inspires you to live your own happy ever after by embracing sobriety. I'm Jenna and my co-host is Leslie and each week we'll be sharing our journeys, interviewing others and exploring the reasons why a sober life is a better life. Um, my name is Colin Hill. I am an alcoholic. I've been struggling with this since I was 24. I've just come from jail, um, serving my time that I owed for my second DUI and, um, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not okay, but, uh, figuratively, but, um, I just wanted to give a message to all of you, um, to let you know that there's hope. Um, I'm going to be okay. I have a wonderful son and a husband who loves me very much, but, um, I just want to say, uh, please, if you are relapsing, stop. I had four and a half years sober. I know what sobriety is like, and it's wonderful. For whatever reason, the devil keeps taking me back to drinking, and it's not worth it. So I'm done uh, one day at a time. I've gotten sober through AA before, and I'm going to do it again. But um, just don't do it. It's easier to stay stopped than it is to stop. I'm going to be held accountable. Ugh, I'm so much better when I'm sober. You've just heard a clip from a TikTok by Colin Hill. That TikTok went viral. She is a former Miss America runner-up. And today we will be hearing her story. Do you ever like lay there and be like, how did I get here? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I it, was Miss America. What yeah, the heck? How does exactly. this happen? Um, exactly. And it's like, yeah. So I think what would be really great is why don't you just tell us a little bit about you, like, go back to like your childhood to the Miss America thing to where you are right now. Sure. I, um, I grew up in Virginia beach. I never really intended on like doing pageants or anything. I was a very disciplined child, always very quiet, always wanted to play piano. I actually grew up across the street from Kelly Cash, who was Miss, uh, America in 1986. And we actually took piano from the same piano teacher. So that's sort of how I was introduced to pageantry is just by watching her take piano lessons growing up. She was sort of a mentor of mine just because we lived right across the street from each other. And I just always was very blessed to watch her. She was older than I was. And I always played with her little brother and we were kind of pals growing up so my dad was in the navy so he'd go on um, deployments and her dad was in the navy so we had a very close-knit neighborhood and all our kids would play together and um you know very good childhood growing up but i was born in california we moved to virginia and just had a very normal um upbringing and i i was a i would say average student i didn't play sports or anything but I just was really into piano and um, I wanted to be really good at it. And I did like levels of progress and piano competitions. And, but we moved around a lot just with my father's career and Virginia beach was primarily where I grew up, but anytime we'd move, this was always sort of home based for me in the total number of times that I've moved. I've, I would say I've moved probably over 50 times in my life, but this was always my favorite place that we'd ever lived. So, and I'm an only child. A lot of people ask me, oh, did your mom push you to do pageants? And she really didn't, but she always was supportive of whatever I wanted to do. And I never really got mixed up in a wrong crowd or anything. 
alcohol was always, when we'd go visit family and stuff, it was always, it was something that was celebrated. Like I always remember being little and hearing, um, is it five o'clock yet? You know, and um, when we go visit grandparents, it was a joke. And my, my father's side of the family was from Wisconsin and there was you know, the Green Bay Packers, and there's always big drinking in Wisconsin, and it was always something that wasn't frowned upon on either side of our family. I know now, you know, unfortunately in society, it's like the more that it's celebrated, the more that it's it's made normal, you know, and, and I had sort of learned that too as I progressed in my drinking, you know, the more you surround yourself with people that are doing it, the more that um, it, it seems like it's okay. And I, I sort of slipped into that as well. And, you know, surround yourself with people that are just like you and it's not a problem. So, but I, I remember going to um, parties and stuff and, and I thought it was so cool that, you know, we'd go to all these pretty parties and people would be drinking and it wasn't, it wasn't even that they were out of control, but I just thought it was so cool that all this pretty crystal and stuff was out and, and it was always just so glamorous to me. And I just thought, oh gosh, I want to be like that when I get older. And um, it just seems so elegant. And, but I don't know if, if I was making it that way or if um, it was just part of the mystique of it or what, but um, it just seemed so regal to me, you know? And I, I don't know if that's, if it was the adults making it that way so that it seemed okay to them or a little bit of both. I just always remembered alcohol always being around. And I always remembered like a bottle of vodka always being in the freezer. And my parents always used to have parties. Entertaining was always big in our family. And it sort of had to be just with the line of work that my dad was in. And I, you know, was not a ill-behaved child. And we just had a, a good, decent family. And my dad was always seemingly gone on deployment like six months at a time to nine months at a time. And then I remember my mom always missing him and she would drink when he was gone. And I just, um, it, it was a lonely life when he was gone because I missed him and then she missed him. And then, you know, I just remember him being gone and then him being home and then him being gone and then him being home. And then I remember um, that's just sort of how it was growing up. And it was just, a lot of our friends were like that. So it was like my mother and I would go to the beach a lot when I was a kid. And it's just like real spotty, a real spotty childhood. And I remember going with my mom um, to friends' houses and the moms would drink. I mean, that's just what moms would do back then. Unfortunately, that was just sort of the pastime while the guys were out at sea. You know, I've talked with my godmother in depth about this and she's She's like, I'm really sorry that that's what we did. And I'm like, don't be guilty about it. It's like, don't feel badly. And, you know, I I was married briefly to an F-14 pilot right after the Miss Virginia pageant. And, you know, that's what we did. It's like, well, that's what I did at least. But that's sort of all that I grew up knowing. And I think being an alcoholic, that's sort of what I modeled. That might just be my story, but... um. I just wanted to check out, you know, and unfortunately that's just the way it went for, for myself. I remember my mother telling me once that she was an alcoholic, but then she didn't want to say it anymore. I remember her drinking quite a bit and then going in and out of um, times where she'd want to talk about it and not, but I don't remember her ever being really sloppy 
like at parties with my father and stuff, but I, I do remember her admitting having a problem with it. I remember her having friends over sometimes. And one time when I was little, she not little, but like as a teenager, she'd walked into a, um, a, a door, not a door, but like a sliding glass door with a tray of lemonade. And I remember being so embarrassed, but you know, my friends just laughed. I don't even know if they saw that, but I, it was like, I knew. And, um, you know, it runs on both sides of the family and I was horrified, but, you know, everyone was like, Oh, it's okay. You know, don't worry about it. And I was so full of shame and it, it was just awful, you know, but I think I yelled at her and we used to fight all the time um, as I got older because she and I would drink together and then we'd get really ugly toward each other. And I have a lot of guilt about that. Um, but and then, you know, she would get mad at me when I started drinking a lot because I think she saw a lot of herself in me and had a lot of guilt. And uh, it was just awful. Um, she got really ill as I got older and we, we didn't really um, have as close a relationship. You know, she um, got breast cancer and passed away. But one of the greatest gifts of my getting sober for those four years was that I was able to care for her when she passed of breast cancer. And I was sober during that time. She wasn't drinking during that time because she was so ill, but it, it was just awful um, watching her pass. Um, but I, I was so grateful that I did have my sobriety during that time to care for her while she was dying. I, I would not have been able to do that had I not been sober. Um, but when she did die, I, I lost it again. I, I, I was so grief stricken um, after losing her. But, you know, I, I just growing up with her um, drinking, I, I didn't see it as that bad of a problem for her. And, you know, I never really thought that my drinking would get that bad. One of the things when I would compete on stage, I never drank um, everyone was like, oh, did you drink before you'd go play piano on stage? I was like, no, I couldn't do that, you know, because I, I couldn't concentrate. And one of the things about piano is you have to be meticulously careful. And I just, I was so nervous about going on stage to play that I, I wanted it to be perfect. And I'm a perfectionist when I play piano. I won't even, I rarely play for anybody unless I, I have my song perfect. And that was one of my biggest things about Miss America is I was so nervous about going on stage to play that song in front of the whole world because you cannot mess up when you're on TV like that. And I was so nervous. And I was, when I got on camera to do that, you have to cram like 25 pages of music into, I mean, two minutes, like 25 pages of Rachmaninoff into a two minute blurb, which is bastardizing the song. First of all, <laughs> it's like he's rolling over in his grave, but you have to, they clip it down to so much. And my piano teacher and I had to like really chop down this song, which is horrible, but to remember where to like cut it properly. And then I remember looking at the keyboard when I was playing it and thinking, okay, you're in your living room. Don't look beyond the keyboard. And I, I was just focusing on, okay, you can't mess this up. <laughs> And just trying to focus. But, um, you know, when it got to them calling us on stage and it was just Heather and me, I was like, how am I going to drink and like get away with this eating disorder when I'm like, 
going to have a chaperone with me 24 hours a day. I mean, it was that bad when it got to the crux of that. So, I, I mean, that's how insidious that alcoholism was for me at that point. And, and I was so grateful when they called Heather because I was like, God knew what he was doing, you know, and I, I just was so, was so far gone, but you know, the sick part of it was I felt like I was pulling it off and I was not pulling it off for anybody. And, you know, the only person that really matters is the man upstairs because he was like, he, he was in control. He already, he already knows what's going on. You know, it's like, I wasn't fooling anybody and I wasn't fooling myself because I was so relieved that I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. But yet I thought I was, you know, and and Heather was the most gracious Miss America. And I think she's one of the most gracious Miss Americas we've ever, we've ever had. And she's a Christian. It was just divine intervention that, that happened. And, you know, I, I was the next morning after the pageant, the next, <laughs> the first t-shirt that I saw in a window at Atlantic City said, second place is the first loser. And I was like, that's just about right. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, it was like everything worked out just the way that it was supposed to. And I believe I was drinking, you know, right after that. And all you could see were like thrown out flowers in the trash cans and everyone was so mad that they didn't win. And, you know, but I was just like, there, I went right back into drinking. Everyone was like, you should have won. And I was like, I really shouldn't have. So, you know, it, it just... And then I, I I didn't even want to finish my year as Miss Virginia because I was so sad and depressed. And but, you know, I just was back into my alcoholism. And I remembered um, people complaining about I wasn't up to par at my appearances. And, and it was because of my alcoholism. That's exactly what it was. I knew it. And it was it was just awful the rest of my year. Even in college. I, I felt like I. I've never felt good enough in my life because I've always felt subpar. And I think it's because I've always been looking for something to fill that void. And I, I truly believe it, that it's been um, looking to help other people. And I actually got my master's in education and counseling with my scholarship money from Miss America. And I truly believe that every time that I've failed, not failed, but fallen and been led astray and relapsed or it's like God has told me your calling is to help people with addiction and that has been my the one common denominator it's like not that you're good at addiction Colin but you're good at telling your story and sharing your your um your tale of you know, not failure, but just, I, you wouldn't believe the number of people that have shared with me online since I told that story of, and what happened to me right there was when I did that first TikTok, I, I had been on no sleep coming out of jail. I was exhausted. I hadn't slept. And my husband was like, you need to go lie down. He was like, he was like, you're getting on my nerves. I was delirious. And I, I'd come up to our upstairs bathroom and I literally 
my back was so sore from sleeping on a metal bed. You sleep on, no kidding, it looks like a morgue slab. And it was so disgusting. I, I had just, I had knocked my eye on the metal bed because I had been asking for a bottom bunk. And they won't, they told me I didn't rate one. So like probably the third what was it? I was there for like, I was due to be there 45 days. The, like, probably the third to the last night I was there, they finally told me that I could move to a bottom bunk. And, but right before then, I, I flinched in the middle of my night, in the middle of my sleep, and I knocked my eye on the side, like one of those baby roll, don't roll out of your bed bunk things, but it's a metal roll bar. And that's what I knocked my eye on. I had hit my eye. And if I hadn't had one of those, um, those night um, blackout masks on that you have to buy in the canteen for $2.99, um, had I not bought one of those, it would have, I probably would have ruined, like hit my eyeball. So, but I, I dreamt that I was like swimming and that my eye was wet and I woke up and I was bleeding profusely and I was like, oh my God. And so I went to the clinic and they're like, who did this to you? And I'm like, I was like, bitch, you know, I was like, I've been you. I need a bottom bunk, you know? <laughs> But she was, and then she, she's finally like, so who beat you up? And I'm like, your bed did, (laughs) but it was like, you know, I've been telling you I have PTSD. I need a bottom bunk, but you know, but I was so, it was just almost funny, but you know, they do, they're trying to do their job, you know, because they're like, people really do get jumped in here. I'm like, I get it. But you know, but I was so mad that I'd been trying to tell them, you know, look, I can't do this. <laughs> She's like, but you really look like somebody beat you up. I'm like, I get it. I actually have had one black eye ever. Um, it wasn't so bad, but it was a black eye. And it happened 15 years ago. And I had been drinking. I woke up and my eye was really sore and it turned black. And Ooh. I, to this day, I have no idea what I did. And I was really amused by it. And I, I laughed at it. I was like, oh, I have no idea. I even posted a picture and I was like, oh, my first black eye. And no one said, like, how did that happen? And right. I just thought it was kind of funny. I think it's also like pretty crazy because it's so symbolic that we are the ones that hurt ourselves the most oftentimes. And oh, I know. Yeah. 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 I have a couple of questions. One is, when did you really like really determined that you had a drinking problem? Oh my gosh. I would say, I would say in my twenties, it it was bad in my twenties, but it got like the consequences started really getting bad. I would say in my thirties. So it's been, it's been a long time coming. Well, how old were you during that Miss America pageant thing? Uh, Miss America, you age out at 24. So it was, okay. it was a lot. Yeah, it's been done to death. <laughs> so back then you were also struggling, but you, it got really yes. bad. in movies. Yep. And then do you ever like, you were just telling me about like prison, like sleeping on like a slab and having like a bar. And they say it's from Yale to jail and alcoholism doesn't discriminate. And 
yeah, it's, it's, it's horrifying to think that. And one of the girls that I was talking to, I mean, I went to college with one of her, her, her I mean, with her ex-husband and we were talking and it was like, how the hell did we get here? And she's like, yeah, I know. And it's like, it's addiction. And it's like, it, and it's, it's unbelievable. And it's so disgusting. It, it, it's embarrassing. But that's why I was like, but I'm going to say something. And that's why I was like, that's when I was like up in my bathroom and my back hurt. And I, I was like, I'm mentally, I'm spiritually, I'm physically disgusting. I'm sick of this. And I melted down to the floor and I looked up at the ceiling and it was like, God, I can't do this anymore. I was like, just use me for something good. I said, cause I'm done. I'm like, I'm worthless. I'm like, I, I can't, I'm not good for anything. And my, my parent, my dad won't even talk to me anymore. He's done with me. I haven't talked to him in two years. He thinks I, he told me years ago, he's like, you haven't done anything with your life. You're a worthless piece of SHIT, Cullen. He's like, I'm done with you. He's, he won't talk to me. He, he thinks I'm worthless. And he doesn't understand the disease part of addiction, which is okay. I get that. But he wants nothing to do with me. So he has a relationship with my son and my um, husband, but he's done. So, and I understand that. That's fine. Where's your family now? My husband and my son are um, downstairs, but my son's asleep, but my husband's downstairs. But um, yeah. And has he been sober the whole 12 years? Yes. My husband has been sober the whole 12 years. And he says that he, you know, did all his relapsing before he got sober, but he, he was, um, he used to drink a lot, but he, he told me I'm the worst drunk he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> he, by the grace of God has stayed with me, but he, he will not. Um, when we, um, w- one of my relapses, when my son was one, he, he took my son and I lost custody because he was worried that, um, something was going to happen. So are you drinking currently? No, I have not had a drink since June 2nd. So, Oh, really? Um, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So that DUI that you went into jail for was back from before? like in Yes. June or yes. This or was just to serve time for the one. Yep. That was just to serve the consequence for it. So. Yeah. Yep. So how does that. he deal with it? Like when you have those moments, can he see that, oh, she's on the cusp of needing something or what does he do to help you through those times to help you not drink or does um, he? Well, I, I actually, um, I see a psychiatrist and I was on naltrexone, which has been very helpful for me. That has, has taken the cravings away. But now that I, what I've needed, like once I get a little bit of time under my belt, I, I just need that first, like, good 30 days under my belt and then I'm I'm good and he helps me self-monitor too because I, I just I love sobriety once I get there I do know that now that I've had sobriety once you stay stopped it's so much easier to stay stopped than it is to get stopped I do know that chronic relapsing pattern is brutal and the more that you relapse the harder it is to stop every time it's a progressive disease and it gets worse and it gets harder to stop every single time and i mean i i've been to betty ford i've been to so many several different places you've got to want to be ready to stop or it's not going to help you know (laughs) 
I used to be like in my twenties, I was like, I knew that I wasn't ready to stop drinking. I was like, there's no way this 23 year old is going to stop drinking. You know, I was like, yeah, right. But you know what? My, I had not had one bad consequence yet, but then when I started getting DUIs and when I started losing things, um, it started to matter when I started losing friends, when I started losing self-respect, you know, it, it, it's a whole different game. And now that I'm a mom, it's like, I don't want my son to grow up without a mother. I don't want my son to look at me sideways and say, I can't believe, you know, what is wrong with you? You know, and I, I remembered thinking, oh my God, I, I just, I would die if, if, if anything, if, if he were not to respect me, you know? And when I, this last DUI, he said, why did you lie to me? And that just broke my heart because I told him I was going to go check into the psych center and I didn't. I went to a hotel and drank with a girl, you know, a girlfriend. And it was like, that was it. That was the worst thing he's ever asked me is why did you lie to me? How old and is he? He's 10. He just turned 10 oh. in October. So you said you went to a hotel with a friend and drank that night and then you got a DUI that night. Is that what happened? Yep. Exactly. Dating. What are your biggest triggers? Like when you feel like you really want to drink, what would you um, Mostly my triggers have been um, anger, um, being upset with um, feeling not heard or just unresolved issues from the past. Um, I have trauma. I have um, feeling not heard. I'm, I still have a lot of unresolved grief about my mother. I, I was so upset when she passed um, from breast cancer. Uh, it's not really triggers. It's just, it's just sadness. You know, I, I was so my my mother died ten days after my birthday, um, two months after my son was born, and I, I realized that, you know, the birthday is really more about the mom giving birth, and it, my mother was nonverbal when my son was born, and I really it came full circle that you know the birthday you know, I, I wasn't able to thank her for all that she'd done for me. And I just had tremendous guilt about, um, you know, how poorly I'd treated her, you know, for all that she'd done for me. And, um, you know, it's just awful. She, she had a really bad exit to this life. And, um, I just, I was really sort of upset that, you know, she wasn't around to be able to enjoy her grandson. You know, it's just, I felt like she had a really raw deal on the way out of life and it was just not fair. <laughs> and they say like, you know, a shoelace breaking is what's going to trigger you rather than a big, like a death or a big event, you know, because I, the thing that um, when I had had those four and a half years, the event that made me drink was so stupid. It was, um, it was actually, you know, I made it through all these, you know, like my mother passing and, you know, all these major things that I could get through. And then the one thing that picked me over the edge that made me drink on May 22nd was a neighbor asking me to watch a group of kids jumping on a trampoline. I'm like, well, that picked me over the edge. And what did I do? I walked right to the, their, um, their kitchen cabinet and had to drink all the vanilla extract. You know, it's like, why that, that sent me on a tailspin. It was like, that was the dumbest thing I ever did, you know, but it was like, and what it was, was I stopped going to meetings, stopped calling all my supports, stopped doing all the things that had been keeping me sober, you know? And, yeah. but, but it had been, 
in the works because I could, you know, they say do a um, autopsy of your relapse and it had been, you know, happening. It had been like me slowly pulling away from my sober supports me. So I, I could see in hindsight what had been happening, but you know, it was just one of those dumb days that I just shouldn't have been, you know, they say, look for H A L T. If you're too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, then don't be doing what you're doing. You know, it was one of those days where I shouldn't have been, you know, tooling around like that. So do you think that your second DUI is going to be the thing that's going to propel you into keeping your sobriety from now on? Had you ever stayed in jail that long? No, I had not. And absolutely. I I pray that it is because, um, you know, I can only say that I have today, but that was life-changing for me. I'm, I've never been so disgusted with myself or humbled or humiliated or, I, I mean, I really, every day I thought, I, I honestly was, I would have rather been anywhere but there, but, you know, God put me there to uh, really reevaluate and have a one-on-one with him every single day. And I, I worked and I, you know, I did online classes in there and I did, and oh, it's wow. so funny. I did like, I, I know how to work a chainsaw. No, <laughs> I want to do legislation actually, because, you know, unfortunately they even have like anger management classes that you can take in there, but the top eight things that they tell you to be aware of for anger management are the top eight things that you're subjected to in jail. And I'm like, are they sure they want to have this on the tablet in here to point out the top eight things to piss you off while you're in here? You know, <laughs> it's like, it was like loud noises, lights being changed on and off, um, unfamiliar surroundings. It's like, why did they want to point that out to you while you're in here? You know, it's like, are you trying to start a riot, people? <laughs> we were all so mad about that, you know? It's like, are they trying to, you know, to incite a riot in here? No. <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of tests. Yeah. It's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. It's not even I'm like funny people. <laughs> Did your son know that you were in jail? What? Did your son know that you were in jail? Yes, he did. He did. But um, we we tried to, you know, just keep it. Um, we'd I'd say hi to him, and we kept it, you know, niceties and not. Um, uh, I tried not to write him because every time I'd write, um, I wrote to my husband, but the letters say, this is from a inmate and the letters are all stamped with inmate. And, um, when they, my husband would always answer the phone cause it says, this is from a correctional facility. And, um, we didn't have him come and visit just because I didn't want him to, you know, get, um, upset or anything. So we, we tried to sort of protect him that way but um you know it's just it's really it was really upsetting and eye-opening but it was just enough to make me realize that you know uh, that was so far down the ladder that I I never hoped to go that 
far down ever again, but I, I, it was enough where, you know, I've realized that there are things that I can do to make a difference. Like I, there were no AA books or no NA books. And I, I think that every jail cell should have um, a sheet or a format where, so that everyone can be able to run their own AA and NA meetings within each like pod, because there's nothing for the inmates to be able to do that. And there's no reason why they can't do that because there's nothing to do in those cells. And I think that would be productive. So I'm going to try and uniform, make a uniform way for them to do that because you know, that way they can, you know, this is funny, but not funny. They say all you need for a meeting is two people in a resentment. But I mean, you know, if I could just help with something like that, you know, just to get books distributed into jails and help people, you know, have the ability if they want to, or if they don't just to have literature available, you know, um, because people are starving for stuff to read and just to have something to feed their brains while they're in there. And I mean, just to plant a seed for recovery would make a difference. And they like those, um, the daily devotional, things like that. People love those things in, in, when you're incarcerated because it's something to read and give you hope. Any little thing like that, because there really isn't much hope in there. Anything to make a difference. Yeah, I suppose if you want to read something it better be something that's going to improve your life absolutely yes yeah. so you were talking really... about you just posted that you were going to do some merch what were you what were you going to do I have some ideas for um t-shirts and I want to write a book I'm working on that now positive messages of affirmation and um, I'm working on a website slowly but surely it's going to come together all of that will also help you on your journey of staying sober yes absolutely everybody else like giving them good messages and and being the support to other people yes you lifted up in that light absolutely i was i told jenna or i told her yesterday jenna that you are writing a book as well and that you're a good writer maybe if she needs somebody to read over it and do some corrections later yeah, oh, yeah, I would love that. I love editing with your background and your story. I feel like you could really be heard by people because you have a really interesting take on it, having the pageant and being a runner up. And I mean, I think you clearly know that you might have an advantage with the, your background. You're and like, so, you're crazy lady. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, I mean, like this I'm is. Kidding. This is the perfect story that can convey to everyone how easy it is for anyone to cross that line where they get oh. stuck. Yes, absolutely. Have you Googled your name? Oh, yeah. Because I was like, <laughs> your TikTok has come up on a couple of other people's like websites and people have reposted it. Like what Jenna was just saying, because of who you are and what you've done in your life. You have the market to reach people and to improve other people's lives by watching them, having them watch you get sober yeah. and have this like amazing, I don't know, like the, the what's coming. Because I have a I feeling so appreciate it be you. as big as you wanted it to be, because you, like she was saying, you have this background and I don't know, I think you could help so many people. 
Well, that's what I really want to do. I have been praying for a purpose and this, this is going to be it because I really want to help people. My goal is to help like with Fisher House with my proceeds. That was my mother's charity and that helps families visit um, the wounded that have served in wars like soldiers and um, so that they can stay close to people like at Walter Reed that are recovering from being wounded in, in the line of duty. And I also want to help service dogs get Kevlar vests in every line of duty. So, um, because that's important to me. And I, I, I just, those are my two charities that I'm going to um, give my proceeds to. And I'm going to turn all of this negativity into something positive that's going to help everybody. Yeah. I love that um, your husband has stayed by you through oh, all I know. of this. He's amazing. And you know what? I had the biggest crush on him in high school and he had no idea who I was. And then it's so funny because we both were married briefly before and I, I used to walk by him in high school and I'd go, hi, Noah. And he was like the only Noah back when we went to high school together. And then now everyone's named Noah, but we named our son Noah anyway. But um, but he used to be like the boy when you'd go, if you could kiss one boy in school, who would it be? And we were all like, Noah Hill. <laughs> and I stalked him and I got him. No, <laughs> That's funny. So, Did you actually reach out to him? Well, yeah, because we were both not married. And then, but it was funny because um, I was living in Florida at the time and we were both still like drinking off and on, but neither of us has ever been drunk together, which is cool. So that's great. So we've never had a drink together, but he he's stayed sober and I didn't. So, but he's, he's a rock star. So, and he's the only man that my parents both have ever agreed upon. That is wonderful. They both hated everybody, but him. Oh, you got the college or the high school stud. I did. Yes. And he's so nice. And he's a wonderful father. He's the best dad ever. And my son just worships him. Do you work or do you, are no. you a stay-at-home mom? What do you um, do? I, I got my, I was a counselor. I'm actually, I volunteer with my son's school and um, I'm tempted to work at Home Goods again. But last time I worked there, all I did was spend money. So, <laughs> well, I think your next job is actually working on this stuff. I think so too. That's what I'd yeah. like to do. <laughs> I think because right now you're getting traction just from what yep. you've posted, that this yep. would be like the opportunity for you to like kind of buckle down and look at like places to have your t-shirts made and merch. And, Absolutely. Yep. And that's start what writing I'm that book. Right. Yep. That's what I'm going to do right now. I think I'm going to buckle down on this. So this is more important. Yeah. Just start writing your yeah. chapters, like different chapters yep. and put it all together Exactly. So we do have like, um, I think three different questions that we always ask each of our people that we have on. Yes. And I'm going to have Jenna ask them because I don't have them pulled up right now. And I have a bonus question, which is, <laughs> it's not that crazy, but um, are you on Instagram? Um, I don't think I am right now, but I should be. Well, I just there. wanted to encourage you to get on there because. Okay. It's been an amazing place um, ever since I got sober. It, there's a great community on there. There are a million people on there that are supportive, kind, sweet. And when oh, you're great. talking, yeah, when you're talking, it makes me think of all of the 
mothers that I follow and how, Oh, great. yeah, they, they post things all the time. And of course their reason why for sobriety is their child or children. Oh, And great. yeah, so I would really get on there soon because um, I think, you know, people can be mean on social media, but when it comes to the sober community on Instagram, they're so, 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 so nice. Oh, So that's wonderful. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I've already been told, um, too much. I go, um, whatever. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, people can be mean, but yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. So the first question is, what is your favorite part about being sober? My favorite part about being sober is waking up early and getting a lot done during the day. I feel like I never have enough time and I actually enjoy that. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love, yeah, I love the mornings too. Like, I I feel like I've kind of blocked out how it used to be, but you know, Yes. mornings mornings are the worst when you drink. They're awful. I know. And hearing birds in the morning. Do you drink coffee? Yes, I do. Yeah, coffee just does not taste good when you drink, but it's No, amazing when but you're it's sober. delicious when you're sober. Yep. Nectar of the gods. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> It's like my one last thing that I yes. just love, 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 love. Right? What is something special that helps you during sobriety? I actually like going outside and just putting my feet in the bare dirt like grounding myself sometimes and just listening to nature. That to me is just so, it quiets me. And we have a really nice pond in our backyard and I will just go out there sometimes and just be quiet and just listen to the sounds in my backyard because we have a really nice quiet neighborhood and we're kind of in a private area and just going back there and just listening to the quiet just sort of settles me. And I love nothing more than to do that and just like feel the grass and the earth with my feet and just sort of settle myself, not really doing yoga, but just sort of being and just being calm and just relaxing because some, that's something that I could never do when I was drinking. I was always so amped up and just always, like I felt like my shoulders were always up on my earlobes and being sober, I just, I'm able to just sort of be still and I could never ever do that. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. I personally love love my walks now. I remember drinking and looking at everyone's level in the glass, like, uh-oh, uh-oh, you know, I got to get another, you know, Yeah. and just, you don't feel that anymore when you're sober. You just, you're just relaxed and it's, there's no, there's none of that frenetic energy of like, just like that live wire feeling is gone. Yes, exactly. The last one is, Uh-huh. why do you think a sober life is a better life? Oh, because it's a free life. It's just, it's a free and a full life. And it's, it's nothing you can describe until you 
really experience it. And I kind of liken it to when I went to Hawaii and it's one of those where you can't describe how beautiful it is unless you're actually there <laughs> because um, I, I was trying to tell someone how beautiful Hawaii is. And it's like, it's, it's like, unless you're there, like pictures don't do it justice unless you experience it for yourself, because that is the absolute truth. And unless you've ever truly been sober, like mind, body, and spirit, you won't comprehend it. And that's why when I've sponsored people and they, they give up, I, I'm like, you know what, just give it some time or, or it annoys them when you say you're right where you're supposed to be, you know? And, but it's like a, a full and a sober life. It comes with ups and downs, but like, you know, I, I know for me when I was having my worst days of sobriety, they were so much better than any days that I'd ever had drinking. You know, I wouldn't have traded those. And that's why I am so grateful to know that I never one day at a time have to drink again because I just don't ever, ever want that. I never want that again. It's, it's just, it's not worth it. And, um, that's, that's what kept me going through those days in jail. And that's what kept me from drinking before I even went into jail again is because I was like, I, I don't want that ever again. I don't want it. So, um, just, it's such a free, freeing way to live. And I know for me, I, I'm such a better person when I'm sober and I make such better decisions and it's, it's like a no brainer. <laughs> yeah. Amen to all of that. That was so beautiful. I loved everything you said. I just love the both of you. This was so much fun. <laughs> well, we're so happy that you would come on with us and we, well, we got you before you're so popular that you, our messages would get buried in your oh, profile. No. But you're you're cream rises to the top girls you're on the top <laughs> i would love to help you any way we can when it comes to like jenna can help you edit if you want or well, thank you with the website whatever you need help with just you know let us know jenna used to do coding and um you know i think a lot of just connecting with people is just getting different resources and yes finding out who can help do you do what? Cause we all want to see you succeed and we all want to keep you, you sober. Thank you and so much. Yeah. So I mean, awesome. whatever we can do. And I, well, I really hope that that was the last time and yes. that you are just on the roll to help many, many other people at this point. Thank you so much. You guys are so great. And I, I, I hope so too. And we'll, we'll keep it that way. So <laughs> hey, you know what? what? I think that we should we should take away hope and just say this is it. Like this, this is, is your Let's this is the start. It. This is like, the start. This yes, is the start of commitment. Like you're going to do this. It's going yes. to be a better life. You're going to it do it be for your life. son and for yourself. You're going to be Absolutely. happier. And yes. we're never going to have to see you at jail or anything worse. Never again. Like, Absolutely. Yes, this is it. I agree. Thank you. Well, the next time you are there, you're just dropping off paperwork for people to read while they're there. 
Exactly. I have really big hopes for you. And actually Thank I felt it so last night when I was texting you that I just feel like there's some big things going to happen your way. Thank and you so much. I really, I really, really so. want that for you. Honestly. Me too. Thank you so much. Um, I love you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll be in touch and we'll, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks so much for coming <laughs> Thanks, on. Leslie and Jenna. Thank yeah. you Thank guys. You. Love you. Have Bye. a great night. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Soberly Ever After. We hope the podcast gives you support and a place of no judgment to listen to our stories and to share yours with us. Until next time, a sober life is a better life.